This message is brought to you by danmolerarchive.com, the number one place to search over 2,500 Dan Moeller messages and growing. Now, please enjoy this message. You sound good. Isn't worship fun together? I enjoyed it. I come in and as you guys were already all down front. I, Jesus doesn't mind. I mean, there's a place to really give your heart to him, and I do that here. But I, I enjoy looking around sometimes. I just, look, I just saw this one little girl, and she was just the only one in the room in her heart and mind. She was just, and I, it just melts me. I looked around. I just really appreciated it this morning. Appreciated the whole weekend. It went so fast. I'm, I'm grabbing a plane kind of early in the afternoon here. But uh, it's my last crack at you guys. So, <laughs> so we better make it good. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We just pull out the sword right now. <laughs> And I'm way up here, I'm going to have to really reach. But uh, what a fun weekend. Let me just nutshell if you weren't here. Actually, all we really talked about is the purpose God sent His Son. The purpose God sent His Son isn't just to forgive your sins and take you to heaven someday when you die. And now you're holding on tight trying to get through life and use God to do that. He becomes your life. He, he, he changes your motives, your perspective, your reason for being. Guys, the gospel is not a survival kit. We're not trying to get by. We're not trying to survive. We're not praying so everybody treats us nice. It's, we're, 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 we're seeking him to become more of who he is in and through our lives so that our light so shine before men without us even trying to be evangelistic. We're just changed. We think different. We believe different. We wake up for a different reason. All of a sudden, we realize, we read the scripture, and it says that no man owes me anything in the sense that I owe no man anything but to love. So if I owe no man anything but to love, then no man owes me anything because love doesn't seek its own. So all of a sudden, I'm on the earth to love, not to be loved, to love. And I find that in scripture, and I find that's what Jesus was, and that's what Jesus modeled, and that's what Jesus called me to follow. So all of a sudden, I realized the goal of our instruction is love, 1 Timothy 1.5, and it comes through a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a sincere and unfeigned faith. So the pure in heart shall what? The pure in heart shall what? See God. If it wasn't possible to live with a pure heart, he wouldn't call us to it. So there's just some things we talked about this weekend about denying yourself and what that really looks like and not having self-interest in everything we do and seeking first the kingdom of God and, and, and putting off the old and everything we were trained by and everything we were taught by and recognizing that was the wisdom of the world. That was the way that seemeth right to a man. I mean, if he called me out of darkness and into the light, something about the way I process has to change. I can't wake up for me anymore. I have to think for his kingdom. I have to think for the well-being of others. If I just think for me, no wonder I'm discouraged, depressed, full of anxiety, looking over my shoulder, wondering and fretting. Why? Because I have my own interest in hand. I'm not thinking for the kingdom. I'm not even thinking for the sake of others. I'd rather have the green light. I'd rather have the better parking spot. I'd rather have the favor and call it a kiss on the cheek. Wait a minute. What about everybody else? What about Christ in me, loving the world around me? Come on, this thing is not so you get a fair shake. You got more than a fair shake. You've been forgiven. Everything you've ever done, everything you've lived outside of him has been washed away through the blood of his son Jesus. And now he put new life inside of you so you can live a new life. Not the same life. You're not incorporating Jesus into your life. He becomes your life. Yeah? So that changes things. So all of a sudden I have to challenge hurts and offense and unforgiveness and the way that seemeth right to a man. He said, she said, and why wouldn't be if they didn't? Well, I'm hurt. Well, I got to challenge all that because none of that produces life. And I can't find any of that when I look at him and he asked me to follow him. And all of a sudden, I, didn't, I realized I didn't learn that from him. I didn't learn it from him. I never saw it in him, so I didn't learn it from him. So if I didn't learn it from him, where would I learn it? And he said, call no man on earth your teacher because you have one. You don't have two, you have one. You don't have two, you have one. And he's the Christ. So if I didn't learn it from him, where did I learn it? How about this phrase? If I didn't learn it from him, where in the world did I learn it? Time to come out of darkness. Come into the light. The need to be right. The need to have your way. 
expectations on others. Coming to church to find your identity through people. You'll only ever be as strong as the weakness around you. People will let you down and fail you and sometimes they won't even try. Sometimes you're so needy you'll read into things. You'll just get hurt because you're touchy. We gotta call it dead. You do not find your identity through a group of people. You find your identity through Christ. And the gospel, the gospel teaches you to be complete in him and full in him so that when you come into a room like this, you're lacking for nothing. He's your shepherd and you shall not want. You're not looking for attention. You're walking in love. You're living by You can't come to a church like this and test the atmosphere and, and church shop and see if you like folks and then leave and say, well, it wasn't very loving. It should have been you were there. Come on. We've just lived a certain way. We've been tricked into a lot of things. We don't realize how much we find our identity through each other, how we want to be a part of something to become something. No, he comes inside of you to make you something. You, you wake up in the morning, and, and I'll just say this plain. I'll probably say a lot here. I, I'll be gracious with time. Don't get worried. He gave me freedom. I'll take it, but I won't abuse it. It's Sunday morning. We're not here to be here all day. That's not what marks us spiritual. How we live out the word is what marks us spiritual. How we live by the spirit, how we heed the voice of God, that we make sure we don't harden our hearts like they did in the wilderness when the Lord spoke, but we hear him and obey. Yeah, that's what marks the spiritual, that you walk out of here and pursue mercy, that you pursue peace, that you pursue love, that you release the people you've been hard towards, that you change the way you see them and, and change their identity and destiny in your eyes because they're a whole lot more than they even understand. And because God knows that, he hasn't changed his mind and love has never failed. Just don't forget that while we were yet sinners, not while we were starting to get it right, while we were yet sinners, God sent his son. And if he sat back and looked and said, well, you irritate me, you get on my nerves, and if you didn't change by now, you ain't changing at all, we'd all be in trouble. But because God looked at us and saw us for what we were created for, and saw us for our purpose, and saw us for our potential, and never changed his mind about our created value in him and why he put us here, love has never failed, and Christ was crucified, and we can all step back in to that truth if we just understand and believe. It's called born again. Come on, is our motivation really to get to heaven someday? Is our motivation to get heaven back inside of us so that the kingdom of God can be right here at hand, that his will can be done on earth as it is in heaven? Christ in me, the hope of glory. Come on, these scriptures have meaning, and they're all in there for a purpose. He did not die on the cross to take you to heaven someday when you die. He died on the cross to put truth back in you, put his life back in you, and get you back on track and back into purpose and make you one with the eternal one. And of course you'll never die because you were never made to die from the beginning. So he redeemed the whole package and gave it to you. Let's not miss this. Let's not make it all about me and catching a break and getting a blessing. Do you know how many discouraged people go to church? Because we don't understand why God sent his son. Let me challenge you this morning. You can't be discouraged unless your focus is on yourself, your circumstances, what it's costing you, and what you have to do now because of this, that, or the other. And if people are involved, now your heart's even hard and you're mad at them and it's their fault. And now you're a million miles away from the very heart of God that saved you from your sins. How's that for straight talk? Look, I've lived deceived enough in my life. And I've hated enough in my life. And I've been selfish enough in my life. Now the truth's coming. The light's coming. I finally understand freedom. And they put me up here and give me a mic. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to speak it from the rooftops. And cut into religion and cut up this stuff that's a form of and not the power of. And all of a sudden you can sing and wave two hands and do the flag thing. And you still got animosity in your heart towards your spouse. And that ain't cool and it doesn't reveal God, and it messes people up, and it's messing you up. So I'm going to talk about these things. I'm not going to point you out. I'm going to say, if it's you, and the slipper fits, kick the thing off. Don't be Cinderella and wear it. Kick it off and say, that ain't my shoe to wear. I was not made for animosity. I was not made for rightness. I was not made to be right. I was made to be found right in the sight of God. And I was made to live by his spirit and to make peace and walk in love. And that ain't weak and that ain't a pushover. That's Jesus. Yeah? 
Come on. You ever get stripped naked and crucified for doing everything perfect? You did things somewhat right, and it was called wrong, and you freaked out. <laughs> yeah, come on. When I got accused of something that I didn't say or do, and they said that's what I meant, and I didn't mean it, I freaked out. Why? Because it's all about me. And I'm mad that you're thinking that about me and judging me and not seeing my heart. And Jesus did everything flawless and perfect and got treated like he was completely wrong. And he never said a word. I don't know about you, but I'm going to follow that. Because in the end, that's all that's going to matter, and faith believes that. And one day I'm going to stand before him and look into his fiery eyes and amazing eyes full of life and glory. And I sure don't want to be going, oops, uh, Jesus, I, I'd have believed you more if it wasn't for so-and-so. Well, why didn't you answer my prayer? I mean, if it wasn't for my spouse, you know I tried. I tried, Lord. You ain't even going to be able to think that looking into the light of truth. You're just going to go, uh-oh. I believed lies. I justified my flesh. And I missed the mark of why I was here. And I never walked out the things of the Spirit. I did church, but I didn't become her. I went to church, but it was never who I was. Wow. And then hopefully he'll just cry and he'll dry every tear because he's merciful and you just won't have a legacy like you could have, but he'll still love you and hug you and receive you because he's amazing. I don't know what that will all look like, but I know I don't want to look in his eyes and go, oops. I know if it doesn't work then, I don't want to let it work now. If I won't be able to say it in that day, why can I say it now and make it work and buy time that I don't have to give? Redeem the time. The days are evil. We're in the world. We're not of the world. He who loves the things of the world does not have the love of the Father in him. And the things of the world, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. If you're living to be somebody in the eyes of men, you're way off track. If you're posting things to get a lot of thumbs up, you better reevaluate. You got one big thumbs up where it matters. <laughs> you ought to be glad, you know, the old Roman days, the emperor, you ought to be glad the God of the universe didn't go. You got the best like forever. <laughs> And you weren't even living likable. <laughs> and you stood before him, and they stand there like this in the Roman days. And everybody's holding their breath, and the guy on his knees is like, what's it going to be? And God's not even thinking about it. Why? Because no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, he knows who he created you to be and he knows what you'll look like if you ever get this and you surrender. And he knows that loving you is where it's at because you have purpose, you have potential, and you have destiny right in front of you. And on your darkest day, he never lost sight of that. And love has never failed. On your deepest journey of rebellion and willfulness, he said, you're so much more than that. You have such a greater purpose, and I'm going to keep loving you, and one day you'll see. That sure beats being ticked off, frustrated, getting under his skin, and him giving up on us. That's what we've all done to each other. We hear somebody's name. We haven't seen them for four years. We hear their name, and all we think of is the thing we don't like about them, and that's how we identify them. We ain't done nothing right. And he sees us for how he made us. <laughs> you think I understand this and I'm going to have an attitude today and he said, she said, and tit for tat and what I feel? No, friend. <laughs> I'm a believer. <laughs> I'm a Christian. And I'm going to follow him and tomorrow ain't the right day either. Because the gospel taught me this one thing and if you can learn this one thing through this one session... It'll pay great dividends. If you just get one thing out of all I say this morning, if you just take this with you, it will make such a difference in your everyday life. You let the gospel teach you, and through prayer you wake up and you establish this by saying it 
Pin it on your mirror. Do whatever you got to do. But get it in your heart. This one thing. That every day you wake up, nobody owes you a thing. That would challenge every hurt, every offense, every failed expectation. It would take all the lines away and knock the chips right off your shoulder. Nobody owes me a thing. Why? Because I owe no man anything but to love. And it was the Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom, so he gave me all things, so I'm complete in him. So now I'm not driven by need. So now I wake up in the morning and I actually don't need you for me to be okay. I need you to lock arms with me and be an army rising up and run this race and overtake the earth with his love and glory. I need you to run with me. But I don't need you to know who I am or be encouraged. And because I don't need you to know who I am and be encouraged, I'm finally positioned to love you. Because now you can't disappoint me, hurt me, break my heart, and I don't have inner church issues, and I'm not church shopping because I'm hurt. And pastor is this, and elder so-and-so is that, and oh, the devil's in that place. No, you're being real deceived. He's a lot closer than that. You wake up in the morning, nobody owes you a thing. You'll finally understand what freedom is that we sing about. Jesus never said, if any man come after me, let him pray a prayer that qualifies him for heaven. He said, if any man comes after me, which I love that because everybody's invited, if any man. The word man means human, all-inclusive. It's not gender. If any man woman, child, come after me. Let him first deny. I'm concerned we don't preach that. I'm, I'm concerned because people have been legalistic that we push that out of the message because we don't want people to hear us legalistic. So we just make it beneficial. Hey, if you hit a tree on the way home, do you know where you're going? If not, pray this prayer. And that's how we present the gospel. That's never how Jesus presented the gospel. Jesus said this thing will cost you what you never were in the first place. Life for yourself. So you can get back to why you're here in the first place. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's the first thing a Christian has to do if he's going to follow Jesus? Deny himself. Why? If you read Genesis 1, man wasn't made for himself. He was made for the image of God. But because we compare ourselves among ourselves and we weigh ourselves by our own track record, we forfeit grace and life change and transformation so we think we are who we've been instead of who we can become. So instead of putting off the old and putting on the new, we hide behind language and we do church and the whole time we can become her. I'm not being mean. I'm not being judgmental. There's too many schisms among us sometimes. There's too many inner issues. There's too many people jumping ship and skipping and hopping and hurt. 90% of counseling and pastoral counseling is people struggling with each other. And it proves we do not understand why God sent his son. And somehow we think it all revolves around me. And we're all caught up in God loving me in a superficial way to feel special because we don't feel special. God loving me, but it's not stopping with God loving me. It's me becoming that same love. See, the finished work of the cross is not when a man prays a prayer to go to heaven. The finished work of the cross is when his nature is restored back to love because then he's back to the beginning. And then redemption has its way and he bought back to original value. <laughs> your confession to go to heaven doesn't change lives. Your love does. <laughs> your promotion and your income increase and your provision and protection doesn't change lives. It just blesses you as an individual. That's not the goal of your Christianity. The goal of your Christianity is walking in love. The goal of your Christianity is going to work with an attitude that Jesus would have if he was in your shoes and he is.
The goal of Christianity is being betrayed and not living like you were betrayed. If God lived like he was betrayed, he would need some serious counsel. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he didn't tremble in his bottom lip and cry and say, how can you do this to me? He didn't say, I've been there for you all this time, pouring out my life. I mean, I came from heaven into Mary. I became a man trying to help you. Don't you get it? And all you guys are doing is bucking for position and you say you're going to die for me? Ain't one of you ready to die for me. When I get struck, you're all running. You're out of here. Bunch of losers. <laughs> See, we didn't learn that from him because we never saw that in him. This is how you know if you know him. Not believe he died on the cross, not go to church, not do a daily devotion. This is how you know you know him. That on the night you're betrayed, you don't call a friend crying and tell him all about it. Because you've already laid down your life. That's how you know you know him. I'm not talking about serving in a ministry, feeding the hungry, and giving showers to the homeless. That's all good. But you only know that you know him by your love. That's the Bible. It says, he who loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He who loveth not just doesn't know God. Doesn't say you don't lead worship. Doesn't say you don't itinerate speak. Doesn't say you don't go on a mission trip annually. But it does say if you don't love, there's one reason not to. You don't know him like you could. And this is eternal life that you might Guess what we've turned eternal life into? A prayer that benefits me instead of a truth that transforms me. Be real careful you don't get seduced by religion in this hour. Be real careful you don't end up in a group with tickled ears. Be sure that every morning you wake up, you be with him. That you don't let church attendance take the place of knowing him. You don't let your service in ministry take the place of knowing him. You don't let your Christian t-shirt, ringtone, screensaver, and bumper sticker take the place of knowing him. This is eternal life. That you might know him. The only true God. And his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent. Which tells me I can't know him without becoming more like him. Because if you don't love, you don't know him. I'm not saying you don't see your need for Savior and weren't sincere and didn't get your sins forgiven. I'm not saying your name's not in the book of life. But is that really our goal? Our name in the book of life? Or is our goal becoming what he created us to be and becoming what he paid for? So how's the world benefit if you have eternal life and you're still angry at your boss and you still shout down your spouse? Somehow we got tricked into preaching a gospel that benefits me without transforming me. Deny yourself. Pick up your... Now you're following Jesus. What's pick up your cross? You never let sin against you produce sin in you. You never repay evil with evil. You overcome evil with good. You, 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 you tone down a harsh word with a kind word. You give your shirt and your tunic. You go an extra mile. Because you've already laid down your life. That's called carry your cross. Could you imagine Jesus thinking like we've been taught to think? Having the feelings we've been tricked into having through the motives we live by? Do you understand your emotions were not given by God? The ones you grew up with were not from the Lord. Do you get that? People say, well, God gave us emotions. Stop giving him credit for the chaos we grew up with. God didn't make you to be angry, frustrated, jealous, in unforgiveness, antagonized, ticked off, competitive. He didn't make any of that. We became that when Adam got separated from God and we were all born into Adam. So what was created to love became in need of love because it was cut off from the source of love. 
So we were all born into the need of love. From the time you can remember, you needed support, valued, attention, and people get crushed in that arena. They either become broken and introverted and insecure or hard and a fighter. By a very young age, you're nothing more than what you became through how you responded to what you've been through. And your story becomes your identity, not the truth of why you're here. That's why people cling to their past so tight, because it's the only place they ever found any sense of, of identity, whether good or bad. It's all they know about them. And in the gospel, you've got to call that dead. You've got to come out from that. You've got to put that off, and you've got to put him on. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I'm not a little boy that was touched wrong anymore. I'm not a guy that didn't have a daddy that was there for me and had an alcoholic father. I'm not a guy that lost a mother after 40 years of sickness. I'm a born-again, spirit-filled man without issues. I don't have issues. I have the kingdom of God on the inside of me, and I finally understand why mercy woke me up this morning, because it gave me one more day to shine, to walk in love and live by the Spirit and be more like Him. And if I love him, I'll live what he says. Yeah? Come on, I'm starting to feel the gospel a little right now. I've been trying to be, behave for you. I didn't want to scare nobody. But you looked a little scared in the beginning, so I said, okay, we'll just, we'll just calm down, Dan. Just relax. See, because I look intense to you. I know I do. People tell me all the time, I can feel it on me. I can feel it in my face, but I'm... I'm 10 times more right now on the inside than you're seeing. It's, I'm serious. I believe this gospel. He shed blood for me. The God of the universe reduced himself in my eyes, reduced himself, made the sacrifice to become a fetus in the womb of a woman. Hung out there for nine months. The, the God of the universe put himself inside the womb of a woman to become a man, to fulfill what man failed, to redeem my life? And you think I'm going to get hurt by you and get my feelings offended? Are you kidding me? The God of the universe put himself in a woman and fulfilled what man failed and said, hey, follow me. I think I'm going to. I know I'm gonna. You're not gonna find me down and out and forlorn and telling my story. Because right now I'm telling my story. This is my story. This is my song. This ain't my story. Well, born in 61, grew up in the city. Had a rough experience with a babysitter. I don't know why God let that happen. My dad always drinking, never there for me. I mean, that's why I drink, because he drank. No, that's a good reason not to drink. Well, I just smoked pot because it was in the house all the time. My parents always smoked it. Probably a good idea not to them. What did it do to your family? Why do we need excuses to be the same when you're called for more? And then we say, well, it's a generational curse. No, it might be a willful decision. You can't say, well, it's all I know. You can't say that because he's knocking on the door of your heart. He wants to introduce something new. And as soon as you open it, he'll come in and suffer. This thing ain't about a confession, Pastor, is it? This thing ain't about, oh, I prayed the prayer. No, I became something different. I remember the day I prayed the prayer. No, I remember the day I gave my life. And he took it over. And it was 1995, and I'll never be the same. I've never been the same since. I'm more passionate and intense than I was then. You say, well, brother, things wear off. Life gets to you. Time has a way of toning you down. Says who? Your experience? Everybody else's? You try to tell Jesus that and talk him into that. <laughs> Could you picture Jesus offended? 
Could you picture Jesus carrying the cross? And he's beat beyond description. They're still spitting on him. It's pretty, it's pretty degrading. He's God. He doesn't have to be there. But I guess he does because he's love. Because he can't change his mind. He doesn't have options. He doesn't seek his own. So he can't be hurt by men because he loves men. He can't be offended because he's love. It's not because he's Jesus. It's because he's love. If it was because he's Jesus, then I couldn't follow him. But if it's because he's love, I could. Could you picture him getting analytical? Can you picture him second-guessing? Could you, I've heard preachers say, you can tell how God loves us because he, he could have come off that cross and he chose not to. He could have come down from that cross and he chose not to. Where do you find that he could have come off that cross? Love never fails. He's, he's not changing his mind. The Pharisees said, saved others. Listen how men think. Saved others. Can't even save himself. He's not here to save himself. He's here to save them and us. Saved others, can't even save himself. Let him come down from the cross if he is who he is. He said he's the son of God. Oh, he is. He wasn't coming down. Wasn't an option. He's not sitting there thinking, should I or shouldn't I? Because I'm sure tempted. <laughs> you spit on me one more time. <laughs> you hit me with one more stick and I'm telling you. You just, at this point, I'm so far, I'm just about done, Lord. If they just look at me wrong at this point. <laughs> you see how silly it is when you put Jesus in that? Yeah. It sounds hilarious. It should sound silly if it's in your life because you're made for his image. And you're called to follow him. And as he is, so are you in this world. And the things he does, you'll do if you believe and you're predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And he's the firstborn among many. Need any more scripture? See, I read this book right here. And it showed me the way it really is. And it trumped the way that seemeth right to a man. So those feelings that want to come up and tempt you to be hurt and offended, they get crushed by this higher truth. And all of a sudden I realize I ain't got the same platform, the same runways aren't in my life, so we don't have the same flight number. We don't have the same. <laughs> Could you picture Jesus going up the hill and he just can't take no more? And all of a sudden he just drops across. He just says, I can't do this anymore. Are you kidding me? Look what they're doing to me. Look, look what they've done to me, Father. You know, all I've ever done is good from the time I've been here. I've done everything you've said. I've healed their sick. I've cleansed their lepers. I've raised their dead. I've fed their bellies. If they didn't change by now, they're not going to change. Remember Capernaum. I mean, I, there wasn't one person left sick. And all they're trying to do is figure out what devils possess me. These people are whacked, man. I am not going through with this. Barabbas, they're screaming, Barabbas, Barabbas. He killed a man. He killed a man, Lord. I raised the dead, and they want to do this to me? He's in prison for conspiracy. I'm trying to make peace, and I'm the bad guy? I've had enough. These people are nuts, and I ain't dying. Could have been his story, but I guess it couldn't have been. Not because he's Jesus, because he's love. Don't you miss the point? The goal of our instruction is love, not a sinner's prayer. The goal of our instruction is love, not a sinner's prayer. Every person on the earth could pray the sinner's prayer and the world won't change. But if we become love, it has to. People say, well, I just want to make it to heaven, brother. Stop. You don't even know what you're saying. Die to that. Some people praying, God, it's getting darker. Why ain't you coming? I thought you would come by now. It's getting darker, Lord. You got to come. The Bible says he ain't coming because he's waiting for one more to change and be saved. And you're praying to get out of here. You're looking for a great escape. 
You know what you're saying? You're saying, hey, look, if they didn't pray the prayer by now, that's on them. At least I prayed the prayer. Come and get me, man. To heaven with me, to hell with the rest of these people. I can't take much more. And you think that's spiritual? That's selfish and deceived. You're supposed to wake up every day and shine as a light and live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh and overrun men's hearts with the reality of the love of God. Not begging to get out of here and escape and God, you got to get me a new job. I can't stand my co-workers. If you love me, you'll get me a new job. No, if you love, you'll see your co-workers different. And you won't want a new job. You won't want to run and escape. You'll remember these words. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they do. Oh, they know what they do. They do it on purpose. They, they, they're antagonizing me. They just push in my buttons. Well, why don't you go buttonless? It's like a lady come up to the altar on a Sunday morning to my pastor. She's really buttering him up. She said, Pastor, you're so, such a man of God. You're so spiritual. Man, when you pray, God just moves, Pastor. You just, I just need you to pray with me. He's, he says, okay. And she's really buttering him up. He said she was really complimenting him. And he wasn't making fun of her. He was just telling me a funny story. He said, she said, well, I need you to agree with me for my husband. She said, that man, he won't come to church. He makes me so angry. He just does everything in his power to get on my nerves and to get to me. He has learned how to push every one of my buttons, and he does it on purpose. And I just want to pray that God come and just make him change. Just knock him off that horse. Just change his life. Would you pray with me? My pastor goes, I'll tell you what. I think I have a different line of prayer I want to pray. She says, what is it, Pastor? Because God hears you when you pray. What do you want to pray? I want to pray that you go buttonless. <laughs> if you being okay depends on somebody else treating you different, it's idolatry. Jesus isn't even Lord. And now you're only as strong as men's weakness. And you're only as good as you're being treated in it rather than as good as he is in you. And all of a sudden, life is speaking louder than truth, and what matters most ain't even considered because you're letting all this matter more. I don't think this is unreachable. I think in that day we'll find that this was very reachable if we really live surrendered and have communion with God. But I, I look for the day, and I'm going to keep preaching. Till I see the day when we gather in houses like this without offense, without judgment, without anxiety and fear and despair and discouragement, because life has lost its voice and power, because the giver of it is who reigns in our lives. And all of a sudden, we ain't praying for a better day. We're living for a transformed one. And all of a sudden, come hell or high water, we don't change because we shine. And people do me wrong, and I do them right. People do me right, and I do them right. People betray me, and I walk in love. People don't betray me, and I walk in love. How you doing, brother? Doing great. Man, life is good in God. That sure beats well, really going through, and this. Just keep me in prayer, brother. And all of a sudden, we give ourselves away. When you ask us how we're doing, we share our two biggest challenges and throw in a keep me in prayer. And all of a sudden we reveal that we're only doing as good as it's going instead of as good as he is in me and why. Come on, you can't not hear what I'm saying. It's too simple. An eight-year-old could understand what I'm saying. And it's all scripture. I've tied it in with lots of scripture. So that was our last two services, so I just recapped them, so now I'm going to start. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let me close with this. Let me close with this. The only way you're going to live this life is relationship with him. It's Holy Spirit changing your life. You have to be willing. You have to be willing to lay down your life. You have to throw away your rights. How can we deny ourselves and still have so many rights? I'm confused. Confusion is not of God. I shouldn't be confused, but I'm confused. How can we have so many rights when we've denied ourselves and we seek first the kingdom? 
Why is it always he said, she said, and I feel, well, they shouldn't have, well, they should have known better, well, they were saved longer than me. Well, how can, sometimes it's like we're looking for trouble. How, I wonder if you woke up every day in your marriage and you actually believed in your heart your spouse didn't owe you a thing. <laughs> Let's paint a bigger picture. I wonder if your spouse actually grew into that revelation and your spouse believed the same thing. <laughs> Heaven would probably be in your home. Like you wouldn't have theology and plaques that quoted scripture. He would be there. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Your kids would probably, your children would grow up to know that God is instead of know about him. See, because if you take your children to church and you don't pursue Christ-likeness and live Christ-likeness when you leave, all you're doing is teaching your children Christianity is attending a church. But you have this great privilege of making him known even to your children and everyone around you. You have this great privilege of becoming something, not serving something becoming something that cannot be denied. That's how you teach your children the way to go. And when they grow old, they won't depart because they had it right in front of them and deep in their heart. They know. They don't know. They know. <laughs> you get it? <laughs> That just beats freaking out, and you said, and I'm so mad at you, and why can't you listen to me? You're going to respect me, boy. If I told you once, I told you a hundred times, get to your room. Mom, Dad, get to your room. And inadvertently, in their little minds, somehow they think God's the same way. And they see that look in your face, and somehow they think it's on his. You have this great privilege of making him known. But if you don't know him, how can you make him known? And if all you relate to is the way we've all been, then how can who he is become relevant in your everyday life? Now, if you say stuff like, yeah, but brothers, sometimes, I mean, we all have our moments, and you know we're all just, and all of a sudden we find our truth through each other instead of through him and deny grace that changes us. I promise you I didn't wake up to fail today. I didn't wake up to sin. I woke up to be his boy. I woke up to be accepted in the beloved and righteous and pure in his sight. I woke up to love. I woke up to shine. I didn't wake up to need you. I woke up to love you. I ain't expecting to fail. And if I would, which I ain't expecting to, I would just run to him. And thank him for the revelation, showing me the difference, making me wiser, sharper, more complete, empowering me. And even in weakness, I'll get to know him more and let the weak say, I am strong. You with me? That sure beats condemnation, guilt, and shame. Looking in the mirror and only seeing your faults. That sure beats crying for three days and talking about it four or five times in a row and now you're worse than you were. That sure beats giving up. Sure beats growing weary and well-doing. You all with me? So the only thing that's going to take you there is communion with God. The only thing that's going to take you to communion with God is understanding how he sees you right now through his son. He doesn't see you for sin. He doesn't see you for where you've been. He sees you for where his son has been. And I'm telling you, his door's open, his arms are open, and he's waiting to receive you and love you. Not to empower you to stay the same, to empower you to change. He didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't create a path and a way to help you sin and get away with it. He's showing you a way to live free from its consciousness, its awareness, its drive, and its desire. He will empower you to put off and put on and live in righteousness. Yeah? So you have every right to approach him. The only one that can keep you from him is you and believe in lies. 
It doesn't even matter where your morning was. It matters where you are now and that you go to him and that you make it right with him and that you begin to let him father you and you put off these things called self so you can put on the kingdom of God. And then you commune with him and you tell him you're willing to live this way and you want to live this way and you ask Holy Spirit to keep helping you and teach you to live this way. And if in anything else I'm living otherwise, please reveal it unto me because I know you love me and your way is right and righteous and true. And you just commune with him and you care and you're serious. And in that day, in that day, this isn't, this isn't controlling, this isn't judgmental. In that day, this is reality, guys. In that day, we're going to find out who really believed and who really gave their life to him. Because your life lived reveals what you believe. Not your church attendance. Not your mission trips. The way you conduct your life reveals what you believe. If you leave a service like this and you stay offended, well, then I guess you made a clear statement. If you leave a service like this and you don't even consider past hurts and unresolved conflicts and dealing with them and pushing them aside, well, then I guess you're making a strong statement. So I guess now you're trying to justify staying the same and justify not being more like him. And I guess that'll be deceived in the end. Because if what you're living isn't producing the fruit of who he is, then we're living deceived. And you know them by their and in this, the Father's well pleased that you bear much fruit and that your fruit. Yay. Come on. It's a solid gospel. It takes out every excuse for the flesh. So today it marks your heart and says, OK, am I ready to live by the spirit or am I not? I've asked the Lord a long time ago. I said, Lord, if I'm going to preach and share in front of a lot of people like this. I need you to do me a big favor for my own heart and conscience. Would you empower me to preach clear and, 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 and so clear that when I'm finished, a man would only have two choices. He'd either say, man, I hear what you're saying and I want that, man. Or he'd say, man, I hear what you're saying. I just don't want it. But please don't let him leave and say, what's he saying? And I honestly don't think that happens. I don't think there's anybody out there saying, what's he trying to say? That is right. Thank you. <laughs> it is simple. And if it wasn't simple, we wouldn't get it. So he made it simple because he loves us. If this was only for the wise, I wouldn't be in. People say, well, you seem wise. I am a not a wise man. I am just sure about what I'm talking about. So what you see is confidence because I'm sure. But believe me, when he snatched me out of darkness, I was way far from wise. <laughs> I'm so uneducated, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I can read, I can write, and it stops right there. <laughs> But I'll tell you, I'm having the time of my life in him. So uh, this, was, this is great knowing me. i got to do this. I'll be done in time. I think I'll be done in time. Is there somebody that can play them keys for me? I just need keys. As much as I appreciate the whole worship team, if I have somebody that can just play them keys for me. Somebody? He's coming? Oh, my brother. You know what I mean when I say, when I say just love him on your instrument, on the keys? You know what I mean when I just say love him on the keys? Oh, yeah? I'm feeling that. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You and me and the Holy Ghost, it's going to be plenty. <laughs> All right. We need to do something. I never have ever done this on a Sunday morning, ever, in my whole life in ministry. But it's, it's on my heart for 24 hours, and it won't go away. Listen, when God forgives us, he forgives us. Do you understand that? He's the Lamb of God who what? He takes away the sin of the world. So if he takes it away, where is it? It's taken away. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. Who knows that people change? Is there anybody out here that can say, man, I'm different than I was before. I know things I didn't know. I see things I didn't see. My life's different because of that. Now watch. Is there anybody here that you could say, if I could go back and rewrite a few pages, maybe make some different choices, because of what I know now, even though I learned a painful lesson, I've learned a lesson nonetheless. If I could go back and change that, I would. Who can relate to what I'm saying? Who, who has things in their life that, 
Not regrets that are producing death, not something you just sit on and cry about. Some people might be doing that, but, but, but not regrets, but things that you wish you didn't do that if you could repeat the thing, you would do different and you wouldn't have that on your resume. Who, who relates to what I'm saying? But here's the paradox. We all know by now we can't do that. You can't go back and retract the words you spoke. You got in a fit of rage and you took a swing and said you'd never hit a woman, but man, you hit her square. And, and you can't go back and change that. You, you said in your youth camp when you were 13, you put your little purity ring on and you, you, were, you just got touched by Jesus and that speaker meted, met you in your heart and, and you were feeling it and you just said, I'm going to keep myself for you. But when you were 17, you were sure it was love and all of a sudden, what did I do? This stuff happens to people all the time. You can't go back and change that moment. And if we don't have an answer, if we don't have the grace of God, if we don't have the gift of repentance, if we don't have the blood of Jesus, we're in trouble because all we can do is, is regret. And all we can do is just be people that can't make up for what we're sorry for. <sighs> the gospel is so powerful because I can never go back and change what I did. But who I am can change. Now watch this, when who I am changes, then what I did is no longer seen as me. That's why through the blood, God will never judge me for where I've been. He'll judge me for where he's been through the cross. Do you get it? So I've learned this thing back in 2000, this thing hit me. And the Lord started to speak to me, so I've been doing it ever since, and it's phenomenal. I've realized that it's different than a healing order call. It fits, but the Lord separated it out. You could pray for the sick and everybody that has things qualifies for praying, but this is different. I want you to pay attention. And the reason it's different, I said to the Lord, why doesn't, why doesn't this just fit into healing? He said, because people believe they earned it, deserve it, made their bed, got to sleep in it, reaping what they sowed, brought it upon myself. And he said, even if they're sorry, they still believe and receive and accept sometimes the penalty. I know folks, they slept with somebody when they were 17. They went through an insecure season. They slept with somebody when they were 19, maybe 18, maybe two people. We might be up to four now. I don't know. But now they're 21 and their heart opened and they saw the truth and, and Jesus, whew, they might have thought they saw the truth when they were 16, but they still, and now they're 21 and they go, man, I just want a new life. I just, Jesus, save them. But because of some choices and things, they got HPV or they got genital warts or they got a STD or they got hepatitis because man you know four people use that same thing I didn't even think about that all of a sudden you got something in your body and you're marked you just binged and your memory's not the same you can't concentrate you you don't remember like you used to and you know it was that night when you went farther than you ever went you just haven't been the same you indulged, you were out of temperance, you did something, your kidneys don't work like they should because you put so much of something in you. You, you. you just smoked and you smoked and you smoked and you realized I'm choking out my lungs, I can't breathe like I was and it shook you and you wore the patch and you did everything you could to get that thing out of your life. But you just know your lungs ain't the same because of all those years. And man, if you could go back and do it over, now that you did it, man, you would do different. Do you know how many people fit this description? You're in a season of darkness and you're in your bedroom and you, you just feel numb. So you're just trying to stay relatable and just trying to, and you're just slicing and cutting. And the next thing you know, you come to your senses and say, man, that ain't the answer. And you don't cut no more. But boy, you can sure tell you did. You know what I'm telling you is real. Well, there's a thing called redemption in the body of Christ. It's called bought back and brought back to original value. And what the love of God does, he, he, he takes pleasure in mercy. If any man be in Christ, he's a what? 
new creation, old things, old things, anything before now, old things, what do they do? Behold, power of God, behold, power of God. How many things? Okay, wait a minute. Old things, behold, sounds like redemption. Here's my question to you. If God will never judge you for where you've been, then why is where you've been still judging you? It is not the bed you made to sleep in. He made a brand new bed with clean sheets. You ought to get in it today. I'm just telling you. It ain't my business. It ain't nobody else's business. Everybody in this room sinned and fell short of the glory of God. There's people in this room, you deserve a mark. You never got one. There's people in here, you should absolutely have a mark, and somehow you didn't. There's no mercy out there. You're playing in the wrong field. There ain't no mercy. This thing's for keeps. I, I know young ladies, they made one mistake, one mistake when they were a teenager, one mistake, and an incurable STD grabbed their body. They made one mistake, and boom, grabbed them for keeps. And they cried, and they cried, and they cried, and they wished they didn't sleep with that boy, but they can't take it back. And they cried out to God, and they've been sorry ten times over. They can't take that night back. So Jesus, in his awesome goodness and love and power, he'll come. And I'm telling you, he'll do it today. <laughs> We're friends. I'm telling you. Me and him are friends. I'm speaking on his behalf right now. <laughs> he will take that thing out of you because of the price that he paid. He knows your heart. He knows your tears. And if you say, if I could go back and do it over, I would do different, but I can't. He'll say, that works for me. That means I ain't looking at the person that we're talking about. You have become brand new. So if you've become brand new, then he makes all things new. That means old things. You mean the scars could leave? They can leave today. You mean the hepatitis can leave? I'm telling you, it leaves today. You're telling me HIV could leave? I promise you, it is no match for the blood of Jesus Christ. A friend of mine was just in a service where 51 people that were cutters lost their scars in the service. I've lost count of hepatitis healed. I've lost count of STDs healed. I've lost count of the redemption testimony since the year 2000. But I've seen a lot of people cry and weep, and I've got a lot of testimonies from people that said, I got my blood test, and it's just not there anymore. You know the other unique thing God does? The first hepatitis testimony I got back in 2000, the man said, they sent me to three specialists because they couldn't even find the tracers or markers or antibodies of hep in my body. And they said, you couldn't have had hepatitis. You don't have any marker. Well, see, it wasn't in remission. I said, sir, do you know why you don't have any markers? Because God sees you as if you've never sinned. So your body is found as if it never had what was. And he just cried and cried. I've seen lungs restored. I've seen people come off of liver transplant lists that were chronic drug abusers and dirty needle users. And they had to get a liver or die. So Jesus just made it new. This thing is real. Can you tell I'm serious? He's playing really good. I told you we'd be enough. I knew you were going to be good. When I asked him if he knows what I meant, he said, oh, yeah. <laughs> I need you to not be embarrassed. Nobody's going to ask you what you did or what you're coming up here with. It ain't nobody's business. You say, well, I don't want people, if people are doing that, they need Jesus. Because Jesus says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they do. And the only thing I need you to say in your heart before you come up here is if I could go back and do some things different, would I? And if you know you would, then you know I'm talking to you. So I need you to come up here right here real quick. We're going to pray over you. And if you marked yourself with former conduct and that thing is carried into your current life, it's time for that thing to go. 
Get up here quickly. Come on up here. Don't cry wrong tears. Don't cry tears of judgment, condemnation. If you cry, you cry because he loves you. You cry because he forgives you. You cry because you have the gift of repentance through the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you see how prevalent this kind of altar call is? Here's what happens. A young lady who gets over her emotions and she doesn't feel guilty anymore, now she has another breakout and symptoms in her body and all it does is keep flashing her back and flashing her back. I'm telling you, it pleases God to take that thing away. Are you, are you following me? It pleases God to take that thing away. If you're a married couple and you've been out there and you've been going through something, you carried it into your marriage from teenage years, I'm telling you, comes out of your marriage today. There's a lot of you, I'm going to lay hands on you. I want you to right now thank God that he loves you and forgives you. Just start believing he loves you and forgives you for everything you've ever done. Just stand here and be forgiven. If you kneel, be forgiven. But be forgiven right now. Be forgiven right now. And know that he loves you. Holy Spirit, come. See, I like this guy's shirt right in the front. His shirt says, changed. Draw in the confidence that you know this. You are not the person you used to be. You might feel like you need to change in some things. You might think you got still got a ways to go and grow. But if you know you can say this, I am not the person I used to be because my heart wants something different. And I am not that person that did that thing back then because I see it clearer now. You just settle that in your heart. I'm going to pray for you corporately. God's already doing things in so many people. I promise you, I see this all the time. He's just amazing. And I never get familiar with it. He's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. Say this with me. Say, Father, I believe you love me. I believe you forgive me of everything I've ever done. I want you to keep changing me and making me into what you paid for. And thank you today for removing this mark from yesterday. Taking it out of my life for good. I'm not looking back. You have my attention. I'm looking up from whence came my help. I stand here clean, forgiven, and free. I'm not going to live condemned. Regret is over. I'm not leaving here ashamed. I'm leaving here yours. Loved by you and filled with you. And new life through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for loving me. Father, I just thank you right now all across this front. Move in the sweet and precious way that you do. And just take away every reason they came forward. Holy Spirit, thank you right now. Just do it right now. Bring healing all through this front. Healing all through this front. Thank you right the whole way down through to that end. Do what you do because you love. Holy Spirit, we thank you for it. Not one blood disease, not one STD, not one damaged mind or mindset. Souls be strong and clear and calculate. Kidneys and livers be completely restored. Father, I thank you for removing scars. I thank you for taking away pain, traumatic memory, dreams in the night. Take them away. I thank you. I thank you for the redemption of the cross all across this front in every soul that responded. And I declare them clean and I declare them free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord. Amen. Lord. Listen, we can live this life. I'm catching a plane this afternoon. Actually, it's, it's, it's mid-afternoon. I was blessed to be here. You guys are so receptive. I told the leaders, I said, man, people on them two services I did, they were just soaking it up. They wanted it. You guys were the same way this morning. I commend you for that. Don't ever harden your heart to what God's saying and doing. Get to know him more than ever before, guys. Get closer to him than you've ever been. 
and let him be your reason for being. Yeah? Do your own conscience and your own life justice by following your convictions. Let the value of, of what you possess in the sight of God to raise in your own sight. Because if you see yourself the way he does, you'll live up to that value. You won't sell cheap anymore. You'll realize you're not for sale. You've been bought with a price. Are you with me? We can live this life. We can follow him. And we can mark the hearts of men with the beauty of who he is. Throw away the idea that we're struggling and trying to make it. We have already arrived. Christ is in us. Yeah? Lift your hands with me. I'm just going to pray over us as a whole. The only reason I'm asking you to lift your hands, if you don't want to, you don't have to, but it's just a sign of yielding. It's a sign of submission. It's a sign of humility. Father, we just yield our hands to you and our hearts to you and our lives to you as clay, pliable and flexible in the hand of the great potter. Would you make this house what you desire? Would you make every person here what you paid for? Would you touch us personally and individually in an everyday way as we walk out our salvation and mold us in the image of Christ and let the world know let this area know that truly you sent your son because they see him they see him in the lives of men father would you do that in us Would you mark this house for your glory? And would you let this be a place that's known for the manifestation of the love of God? Would you remove hurts from here, offenses from here? Would you take away stigma, God? And would you replace it with the glories of heaven and let your name be known? If you enjoyed this message, please visit danmolerarchive.com to find over 2,500 more messages from Dan, all organized by category, playlist, and search. Enjoy.